Welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? You know, it's been a week, um, but I'm coping because I've been watching a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Outstanding. Which ones? Uh, so, Mill Creek was nice enough to send me the action movie collection, which is a nine movie, 15 hours of Blu-ray action movies. Which has such uh, action movie chestnuts as Gridiron Gang and uh, oh, hell yeah. You Got Served alongside Double Team and Universal Soldier The Return. So, you know, <laughs> your, your regular old action movies. Uh, it's also the nicest looking Blu-ray treatment of what's clearly a let's shove five Jean-Claude Van Damme movies on a Blu-ray just because Blu-rays you can fit more content on them yeah really taking advantage of the sonic space yeah but like the transfer on um double team is shockingly good holy shit i honestly i feel like the platonic ideal of jean-claude van damme movies is time cop yeah yeah Um, these are clearly the bad ones it's um maximum risk the hardcore Mm-hmm. Uh, second in command second in command is unwatchable yeah but universal soldier has motherfucking dolph lundgren in it yeah and universal soldier the return has um goldberg yeah bill goldberg who was also in the video for crush em by megadeth um yeah. i i don't know why i'm so familiar with the fucking well i think r- crush em uh, is the tie-in song for universal soldier the return see there you go that's uh crush em which dave mustaine wrote because he was tired of that horrible Gary Glitter song playing every two seconds at sports events, and he wanted to, like, yeah, Megadeth's gonna write a song for the sports, and it was... The problem is that it was... Me- <laughs> the problem is that it was Megadeth. The sports. <laughs> yeah, we'll show I, them. Yeah, this was late career Megadeth. Although, I would say, honestly, this is going to be the dumbest thing. I'm about to walk that back and go, well, the system has failed was a pretty good comeback record. So now I'm in the Megadeth apologist uh, phase of the podcast. Which, okay, so here's where I'm going to reveal that I have never listened to Megadeth. Oh, you've never listened to Megadeth. I feel like you I feel like you basically have is the thing. <laughs> you um okay, so picture somebody with a voice like Scabies and uh, hair like a fraggle and uh, they've just taken intro to political science and they're really sweaty in a basement with their friends and uh that that that's that's Megadeth. And uh he sells, but who's buying was one of like my, my, my first ever truck. Uh, I had like, uh, I only had a cassette deck in it and I had like four cassettes, um, with like paranoid by black Sabbath and lock up the wolves by Dio. And one of the ones I had was peace sells, but who's buying by Megadeth. And I feel like in, I don't know. I, I feel like in my dreams, I subconsciously hear, what do you mean? Like just the horrible David. Yeah. The horrible, horrible David Mustaine voice. Um, See, I love the the future that could have been and how that speaks to our personalities. Because your first truck, you had a tape deck with Megadeth. Uh, my mom's car, which I learned to drive in, had a tape deck. And I had Blink-182's Dude Ranch oh, and, shit. A, and a New Wave Hits uh, CD, which had, like, Extends and, like, um, and Squeeze on it. So, like, that's me, is... <laughs> New Wave and Pop Punk and your Megadeth and, and Dio. <laughs> Dio. Which, honestly, I... Um, okay, so, like, with Megadeth, though, 
I often wonder about the alternate timeline because, like, you're, you're familiar with how Megadeth started, right? No, um, I'm 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 a babe in the woods when it comes to Megadeth. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> a babe in a babe in the Megadeth woods. So uh, the leader of Megadeth, Dave Mustaine, the the guy who sounds like Scabies. Um, he was actually the lead guitar player in Metallica uh, in uh, the early, early 80s until like 1982 before they did Kill 'Em All. And um, Dave Mustaine drank so much he got kicked out of Metallica. I need to repeat that. Dave Mustaine drank so much, Metallica was like, you need to leave now. And they um, literally, he woke up on a bus with all of his shit packed and they just put him on a cross country bus away from them and <laughs> brought in Kirk Hammett as a guitar player. And so for years and years and years, this has been like the dumbest rivalry ever in metal because Dave Mustaine, um, yeah, yeah, there's like this giant rival rivalry. Um, that horrible documentary, Some Kind of Monster, um, he literally goes to a group therapy session with Lars Ulrich. And you get to see Dave Mustaine's fucking huge Muppet head sobbing in the therapist's office because he's like, everything that you guys do and you touch turns to gold and everything I do just fucking backfires. And it's like, sorry, how many millions of albums has Megadeth sold to sad teenagers? Like, it is... Yeah. Yeah, it's unreal. So, what have you been up to this week? Um, listening to Megadeth. I've been... Uh, <laughs> I, so, this week, I've been uh, reading... What's our... <laughs> Um, I've actually, uh, been reading, I'm, I'm, it's with a heavy heart I must report that I'm back on my bullshit. Um, I am reading Dragon Age Inquisition fanfic this week. Of course you are! Um, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm realizing also, uh, the thing that I desperately need to get a copy of, um, so are you familiar with, uh, any of the characters from Dragon Age? I know that you can fuck them, but that's all I know. <laughs> Is it if you if you play the right cards, you can fuck. That is exactly right. That's every character you can fuck anyone. You can fuck if you have the right mods and you're playing on PC, you can fuck everyone. So definitely keep that in mind. But um, there's okay. So from Dragon Age two to Dragon Age Inquisition, there is a character named Varric Tethrys, and Varric Tethrys is a dwarf without a beard, but with a five o'clock shadow and chest hair, and he's really laconic and glib, and everybody wants to um, deep-dick the dwarf, but the problem is that um, Varric is in another relationship with, with an unrelated character, and you cannot romance Varric. This, is, this has upset a lot of people, because we can't fuck the dwarf, and it's a real problem, but the important thing is that he also writes noir novels uh, in Dragon Age Inquisition. Like, it's literally the style, it's like uh, fucking Elmore Leonard. Um... <laughs> And he, so he, the the book that he wrote for Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, Hard and High Town, um, they have just released an actual version of Hard and High Town written by Varric Tethrys. Uh, that's 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 treating the fans right. It's it's just fucking outstanding. Um, and so I I really need to get my mitts on that. Um, but all, uh, aside from that, I've been um, listening to uh, the most recent episode of How to Wrestling. Um, Mostly, which how to wrestling I think might actually be my favorite podcast of all time. Yeah, it's perfect. It's the kind of podcast that I can't listen to often because it makes me want to delete our um, RSS feed. <laughs> that is correct because we will never be as pure and friendly and good as how to wrestling. But I mean, honestly, I feel uh, I feel like my favorite murder. I can feel it. 
um, you, are, you know the thing when you lose contact with a friend and they sort of send you forlorn texts occasionally and they're like, hey, we should hang out sometime and you feel really bad, but you also, you're so far behind with that friend that you feel like you're um, withdrawn at the bank and you don't know, because if you talk to them, you would have to apologize and you'd feel really bad and it, it's just, it would take more energy than you necessarily have. Um, and that's me with my so, favorite So murder. to save awkward conversation, you just burn all ties. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so to save uh, a weird conversation where you have to admit that you're a terrible friend, yeah, I just fucking ghost them into oblivion and never talk to them again. I don't show up to their funeral. I um if their if their children see me in a public place and try to claim me as their uncle Ryan, I actually shove them down by their face and run away. Um which is much like what I've done to my favorite murder where it, like it'll it'll pop up on my phone like, "Hey buddy, you should you should come back." And I just have not listened to my favorite murder in ages. But How to Wrestling, as soon as that pops up, I listen to that shit immediately. And what's great is that's like always an hour and a half, two hour show. Yeah. Like you can you can settle in for the long haul for like at least like three commutes to work. Yeah. So it's good shit. Um so I think the first so the um the the, the first movie we're gonna get started uh, talking about today um, we were uh, provided with a screener uh, by Epic Pictures, thank you guys, uh, for the uh, much-anticipated documentary To Hell and Back, The Kane Hodder Story. Um, this is also the first foray of um, Dread Central into films. It is, and yeah. And I am here for it. I want them to make more. Yeah, and especially, well, okay, so my, my question to you, how much did you know about Kane Hodder prior to watching this documentary? I didn't know that he wasn't Jason until the fucking seventh movie. Yeah, buddy. He, He's yeah. like, as he played it, the le- who has played Jason the least amount of times? Um, I feel like everybody played him, like, once. Like, they changed Except up, for Kane Hodder. Except for Kane Hodder, I think. Every time it was a hired gun that was uh, square-shouldered and tall enough to be Jason, and they were just like, whatever, shove a fucking mask on, who gives a shit? And then they shove him in front of a camera, and Kane Hodder is, like, the only one that everybody can sort of acknowledge. Like, oh, that's the iconic, like, that's Jason, that's, it's Kane Hodder. So, post-Kane Hodder, are you a scab if you play Jason and not Kane Hodder. Honestly, okay, so um, Freddy versus Jason, Ken Kersinger coming in to be Jason, which uh, I, uh, you know that thing when you're listening to the audio commentary on Freddy versus Jason featuring Robert Anglin, Ken Kersinger, and director Ronnie Yu? Um, Ken Kersinger seems like a big sweetheart, but I do resent him for being a scab. For not being... Kane yeah, yeah, yeah. For not for not being ride or die for his buddy Kane, like he, and you. All right. So in in the uh, so in uh, to Helen back the Kane Hodder story. Um, obviously, for those of you who may not know, um, Kane Hodder. Yeah, as is is was the Jason from uh, Part Seven, the New Blood, through uh, Jason X or Jason in Space, um, which we haven't done Jason X for this podcast yet, have we? I've never seen it. <gasps> oh shit! I know, I it know. Is... we need to rectify it. Yeah, we do. Um, Jason as soon X... as it gets added to Netflix or Shutter, we're on it. But... Jason, Jason X is like okay. Do you remember those really porny early to mid two thousand sci fi channel shows like Lex? Um, Lex 
was my <laughs> sexual awakening <laughs> in a weird sort of way. And I yeah. can't take a shower without thinking of the dick showers in oh. the Lex ship. Oh man, I forgot about the dick showers. I see, and how Lex... like she drank the the water, but it was mm-hmm. definitely a bioorganic ship, so it was just little. It was yeah penises. Yeah, it was it was it was tiny wieners. I see. Le- so um, if you want to picture the set of Lex and just the general aesthetic, the sort of like it's like a really classy space porn parody of a thing. Um. Jason X is basically that, only I think it's one of the best Friday the 13th movies of the franchise because it correctly acknowledges how garbage this franchise is. Um, <laughs> and it's great because you've got, like, a, a, an android lady fucking spin-kicking Jason and shooting him with a machine gun. You've got the best kill in the entire series where he freezes somebody's face with liquid nitrogen and slams it on a counter, like... And, okay, Quincy, there is a moment in Jason X where he puts a guy on top of an enormous screw and spins him really hard to the side, and the guy slides all the way down the screw, and he leaves the guy, and then somebody yells over the intercom, what's his status? What do you think they respond with? Is it screwed? He's screwed. Um, So, yeah, Jason (laughs) X is a cinematic masterpiece, and I have a weird soft spot for that garbage movie, also because I used to have a poster for it when I worked at a movie theater in the early 2000s. Um, But anyway, so... Uh, the important thing about To Hell and Back, the Kane Hodder story, I want to hug Kane Hodder so much. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard because it's a documentary, and I guess, like, the point is just to remind people he's a great dude. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that but, is the point of the documentary, yeah. But it's very successful in saying, hey, um, Kane Hodder's a really great dude. My favorite part is when they're interviewing Bruce Campbell, and he's like, yeah, he's actually not an asshole. <laughs> and to have Bruce Campbell, the king of the assholes, say, Kane Hodder, he's all right. That's like the best Man. endorsement you could possibly have. Yeah, Bruce Campbell, like, renowned dick, being like, yeah, he's a fucking sweetheart. I love Kane Hodder. Like, that... <laughs> There was that just and, ended the movie. Oh yeah, that and also I love honestly, um, being that I am the biggest Nightmare on Elm Street nut swinger in all the land. Uh, anytime Robert Englund shows up as a talking head in a documentary, I giggle and clap like a child. I get so excited because like Robert Englund, he is the fucking uh, character actor's character actor. He will show up to your grocery store opening and cut that ribbon. He will voice your bullshit parody of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, he is just down to clown. And also, I love that he's buddies with Kane Hodder, because why wouldn't he be? Well, they're on the the con circuit. Right. Which is another big part of this documentary, is one of the reasons why the fans love Kane Hodder is because he is in the trenches with the unwashed masses every weekend meeting people. Yeah. And um, I love all of my listeners and i Mm. love horror but i do not love horror convention people no yeah like the last uh horror convention i went to was the uh, full moon tattoo and horror convention in nashville and it was honestly a delight because uh i got to meet norman reedus who like aside from um walking dead uh, which i have seen a season and a half of because it's very very bad so when i met norman reedus um there was a guy right before me who would not leave Norman Reedus alone, 
and he kept trying to like you know hug him and was just like hey re- i really love you in boondock saints you were really i i really I, you know he was doing the weird he sounded uh honestly he sounded like peter laurie um <laughs> just like his his voice was melting and um I, I i got to watch norman reedus go hey all right bye and then just sort of spun the guy by the shoulders and scooted him out with one little shove and then I walked in, I was like, hey, how's it going? And then it just, like, clapped me on the back. And it was like, Norman Reedus, like, this is probably, I, I feel like he's made peace with the con life. Like, this is just where he lives now, and he's he's uh, made peace with his god. Um, but yeah, horror conventions generally, like, what, Kane Hodder, he's, I mean, okay, so he's horror royalty. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, lying out the door to go see Kane Hodder, and... Also, um, a thing that I had known from uh, people I've talked to at my stupid horror trivia night thing in Hollywood, um, Kane Hodder loves choking people um, when when they want a picture at, at cons. Like this is a known thing about Kane Hodder. Is like, oh, Kane Hodder, he's like a he's like a giant teddy bear. He's really into choking. He just he will choke the shit out of you, and you will get a photograph. Sweet guy, sweet guy. Um, he. I don't know. Like he's just so goddamn earnest in this documentary, and like generally. Yeah, and like, the title is "To Hell and Back," a misleading title. Without spoiling the documentary for our audience. Right. Well, is "To Hell and Back" a reference to Jason Goes to Hell? I just I mean, realized he was Jason, and Jason goes to hell. He was, which also means that he was on screen as Jason for a combined, like, three minutes and then also played a security guard. Um, but so I would assume that the to hell part of this documentary touches on the fact that Kane Hodder, when he was a young man of 22, uh, in, I think, what was it, 1977? Um, so, of what, a year after Star Wars. Uh, he uh, was a, a, a burgeoning stuntman. He was a, a young buck looking to get into the, uh, the, the stuntman trade, and he was doing a thing for a new special in his hometown where it was like, hey, he's going to demonstrate some cool stunts for us. And uh, he uh, did a fire... Uh, he did a fire stunt, and it was really windy that day, and so it didn't look very good. And so he told the reporter, like, okay, let's do it tomorrow, but let's go to a non-windy area, and I'll really... I'll get a really good shot. And the lady was like, okay. And then they did it, and he flambéed himself and got severely burned. Um, because uh, he was using a kind of rubber cement that was provided by the station that he had never used before to ignite. Um, And anyway, so um, I think the big traumatic thing that they keep touching on uh, in the documentary is the time that Kane Hodder um, was hospitalized for really severe burns that he almost died from. Um, And all right, the bit that made uh, my everything clench is the fact that he spent four months, or uh, what was it? Was it four months? I don't recall. I, all right, I'm, I'm going to say four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was four months in a shitty hospital with uh, no-nothing dipshits who didn't know what they were doing. He got bed sores. He got a staph infection. They didn't know how to treat burns. I assume they, like, brought in a guy to breathe cool air on it or whatever the fuck. <laughs> they, were, they were doing old-timey... You know, it's Jeff. Just it's Jeff treatment. <laughs> yeah, they brought in Jeff to, like, rub his uh, rocket popsicle on... Uh, Kane Hodder's burns and then like lick the lick the syrup off and they were like, hey, "What the fuck? He's still burning." Announcement: uh, Rocket pops have sugar in them, so anything with sugar in an open wound will lead to infection. <laughs> Do not rub a rocket pop on your burns. That's it is we- tempting, but don't do it. 
<laughs> Look, we've all been there where we want we 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 run a, we we want to run popsicles across our wounds, and you just have to you have to prevent it. Also, because of ants. Um, so he uh, spends four months in this terrible hospital, and then eventually, uh, the garbage doctor who I'm picturing to be Doctor Nick from The Simpsons, um, basically goes like, "Oh yeah, no, we're going to transfer uh, Kane to a uh, a burn ward," and. Kane's parents were like, haha, what's that? And the doctor was like, oh, it's like a special hospital for people specifically with burns. It specializes in burns. And I think Kane Hodder's dad almost actually cartoonishly uppercutted the doctor through a ceiling. Uh, because Kane got like a staph infection and they were like, oh, he could die from this. And then within six weeks, he was fine at the actual burn unit. Yeah, which makes you wonder, like, what if they'd send him there first? <laughs> Yeah, which is what his his dad said. I was like, why didn't we do that in the first goddamn place? But so uh, Kane Hodder, uh, you know, he recovers from getting horribly burned. And then uh, <laughs> um, Kane Hodder, he... There's one bit where the nurse says, it's very surprising that a burn survivor can even go near a fire again. She says this about the dude who, like, professionally lights himself on fire. Um, because later on, he's doing fire stunts in movies. I think my favorite part of the documentary is how you'll see Kane Hodder, and it's like, of course I put Nightcrawlers in my mouth for prison. It made the shot look great. And then they go to the director, and he's like, I don't know why the fuck he put them worms in his mouth. <laughs> and then they'll, they'll go to him, and he's like, yeah, you gotta do the, you know, you have to move with your whole body to be Jason. That's the whole acting. He can't speak. And right. then they'll go to uh, the guy who created Jason Cunningham. He'll be like, yeah, it's just a guy. He's just a guy in a suit. You don't really have to act with that part. And it's like the the uh. night and day of the the way that Kane Hodder is such an intentional actor and uh -huh. stunt guy. And everyone else are just these goofuses that just are like, whatever. Yeah, who gives a shit? Which this is, which by the way, this is why I understand Kane Hodder's rage and frustration and sadness at getting snubbed for Freddy versus Jason because like again, years and years ago, um Becky who was on the podcast and um Christina who also was on the podcast, um they uh a few years ago we went to um that Friday the 13th marathon in I, I want to say Burbank. And Christina had never seen a Friday the 13th movie before and was, like, viscerally upset and offended by how little thought went into these movies. Like, nobody at any step of the way up until literally Kane Hodder stepping into the role in Part 7 did anybody think about it for more than two fucking seconds. Yeah, it's wild to me that the Friday the 13th is such an iconic, popular franchise because it is, like, of all of the giant cinematic... Me, mm -hmm. you know accomplishments in horror this is the one that's the most this is the franchise that's the most like <sighs> half-ass what the fuck ever just get it done right. and sell it to the dum-dums uh which i know people love friday the 13th and it's got its moments <laughs> muffin is my favorite muffin uh, yeah character just the scene where they're like, "Oh, thank God, it's the dog," <laughs> and then they all fucking die. Yeah, I, see, here's the thing: there are making. moments of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise that I like a lot, but like, also, let's not bullshit ourselves. That franchise is garbage. It's stupid. It it kind of drives me crazy <laughs> that even now, in the year of our fucking Lord Arn Anderson, 2018, when you mention horror movies, 
the first image most people get in their heads is like Jason. They pictured fucking Jason when they think of horror. When a mainstream horror hasn't been slashers since the 80s. Or maybe the, well, that's not true, the, the Scream revival. But the fact that Friday the 13th is like the poster child for horror is so bizarre to me because like, what is it about these movies that was so enduring and so huge that really tapped into a thing? Um, is it teens fucking? I think it's teens fucking. It's defo teens fucking, but it's also, uh, you know, Jason is the avatar of Reaganism, and he's killing teens for not saying no to drugs and sex and, and having fun and disobeying their parents. And um, I mean, I I don't know. Like, that's probably navel-gazy to, to point out that um, Jason is basically weaponized Puritanism and sort of America reckoning with not liking young people having fun. Um, yeah, it's a very but, 80s franchise in that way. That it is like, and I think you and I are, are ascribing intention that does not exist if you talk to the crew, but I think it definitely has, it's a happy accident of a franchise. It is a happy accident of a franchise, and I think it was just right place, right time, where, I mean, and and I, I actually, uh, I almost, um, I think one of the most upsetting, you know that thing where I'm really easily wound up, and you can get me upset really easily if you say certain uh, things? I'm your co-host, one so of those, yes, I know this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that you've ever met me. Um, the I think the thing that drives me crazy is when somebody says that Friday the 13th started the slasher genre. Um, I flames on the side of my face i uh, friday the 13th not only rode the coattails of other slashers that were already like already going it and better basically it's dumbed down it's dumbed down jalo like it's it's been it's there is not a single part of friday the Thir- friday the 13th aside from that fucking hockey mask that is even the slightest bit original everything about it is ripped off from other things like, his mask in part two is ripped off from the Phantom Prowler in The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Like, everything about this franchise is ripped off from better movies. And so, Kane Hodder coming into the role and actually ascribing this much intention to Jason and being like, well, you know, I'm going to do this thing with my physicality where I, I breathe really heavily and move my shoulders a lot while I'm breathing. Like... Kane Hodder's a fucking angel for trying and actually giving, like, the fact that the iconic main character of this franchise has no discernible personality. Yeah, they're like, well, I'm, mo-, and, and they're just, it, it's both admirable and comical that th- there's literally parts of this documentary where they're like, he moved his mouth under the hockey mask. And they're like, of course he moved his mouth, because that's what people would do. But the fact that, you know, he tried to, like, grit his teeth instead of just shambling through the movie is like this. Yeah. You know, they're talking about the Sistine Chapel, and it's like, you get to see his teeth in that shot. Yeah, because he tried oh for yeah. five seconds. Yeah, yeah, this is part seven, and they're like, yeah, we thought we'd open up a new side of Jason that you'd never seen before. You get to see his teeth. <laughs> um, it's woo! His teeth! Um, and, like, playing the, playing the Friday the 13th video game I'm so I'm sorry much, that broke me. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's basically it. Like, guys, look. He, wait, wait, does he talk? Absolutely not, but you get to see his molars. <laughs> you see his he, teeth! He, woo! Um, Are they and, white teeth? No! Are they oh, oh, menacing teeth? Not really, they're just I, teeth. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're teeth, you know, they're teeth like, uh, uh, like someone might have. 
Um, and also, by the way, Part 7 was literally the... I, I, this is the dumbest goddamn franchise. I, I, I'm i the asshole here because I can't stop talking about and watching these movies, and I hate them, and I'm locked in a death embrace with them, and I can never leave. It's kind of like um, the other weekend I was at um, non-playable Kyle's house, and mm-hmm. they had a bag of General Cho's flavored kettle chips. Oh, hell yeah. And they tasted like the dumpster behind a, a Chinese restaurant. Right. But I couldn't stop eating them because I needed to be able to articulate with language what it tasted like. And I could not, so I ate the whole bag. That is... Quincy, you understand me on a cellular level. That is me with the Friday the 13th franchise. <laughs> like, I hate it so goddamn much, but I need to keep re-watching them to know why I hate them. Um, and part seven, for example, like where Kane Hodder makes his debut as the most iconic Jason, he literally does battle with a telekinetic teenage girl because they wanted to do Freddy versus Jason for part seven, couldn't get the rights, and some fucking clown cake was like, what? I don't know. What if we did Jason versus Carrie? And then they did like Malto meal bag cereal carry instead of freddy and went eh fuck it good enough good um, enough we put teeth in this one <laughs> it's oh fuck uh but the thing with kane hodder uh him the fact that he got the job because they were like yeah he was just really into putting these night crawlers in his mouth for the shot and i love that uh when i picture that I, you know that kid in school who was like hey do you guys dare me to eat this this entire bottle of ketchup and everyone's like no, I don't dare you to do that. Do you guys dare me? Wouldn't that be so fucked up if I did that? And you're like, I guess. I no, I I don't know. Don't don't do that. And they're like, oh, oh, oh you guys are so fucked up making me do this. And I'm like, nobody <laughs> wants you to do that. And just picturing Kane Hodder just shuffling down night crawlers, like, oh, 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 you guys are sick. This is fucked up, dude. Um, but so the thing that I love please about the stop, Kane, please, <laughs> Kane, for God's, it's two in the morning. Please get out of my bathroom. Um, Kane Hodder, like, I love that this documentary starts out with, um, what, what I thought was going to be a bunch of horror talking heads, as they are in every horror documentary, because all of these talking heads make the, make the rounds, and I love them, but you've basically heard them express the same things over and over again, and I appreciate that you think it's going to be, yes, we like horror because horror is horror, and I am a full-time horror, and it's whatever, and you've seen it a million times, and then it veers a hard right into, actually, this is about trauma and feelings and tenderness and Kane Hodder's, like, struggle with PTSD and childhood, like, brutal childhood bullying. Um, Yeah, that's the part that really struck me, is Kane Hodder is the perfect icon for fandom because mm-hmm. he is the fan and like well, i think that's great because i watch horror movies and by no means did i have you know the kind of violent childhood that that hotter had mm-hmm. but f- you know i'm gravitated to these movies where all the popular kids get their comeuppance because right. that is you know wish manifestation from adolescence oh, and then absolutely. to find out that he also got into that line of work because he wanted that himself makes it of course he's the most popular guy at the horror convention because it's a yeah. room full of unwashed pimply faced you know jerks who are angry with their high school experience yeah, and he's like the avatar of all of all of those insecurities. And I, I honestly... think I just put my finger on why I don't 
like going to those conventions is because mm-hmm. they're still the people that want to gatekeep because they haven't gotten over that trauma and like when oh. they see a woman in an Avengers shirt they just think of like Betty Lou that, that rejected them for the prom so they're just right. like funneling all of that pent up frustration into this innocuous stranger and like quizzing down a girl on Adam Cole's win loss record or like right. and or you know just being you know really fucking shitty because they listen go to therapy y'all it does work <laughs> i promise it does. you as yeah, a person yeah. who goes to therapy you do need it you can mm. do better mm-hmm. uh, yeah i feel like this podcast is extremely pro therapy like generally it's all of like if any listen if any i'm 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 telling you right now if you're a listener to this podcast if you need to go to therapy but you need somebody to bother you and yell at you until you make that therapy appointment i i am i am your goblin like just tell me and i will harass you until you make that appointment everybody needs to go to therapy um but yeah i mean you're completely right like the dudes at these conventions they're like recreating the same dynamic in their adult life in this scene that made them miserable as teenagers because they feel entitled to cause hurt because they were hurt and they took i don't i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know how you go through really brutal terrible bullying and decide after that like hmm i should definitely this should definitely still happen only to other people and i should be doing it like it's well i mean that's the that's the cycle of you know abuse abuse yeah yeah you just you you redirect it um, and now, what's also, so fascinating that was that's one of my only complaints about the documentary is he pretty much said and you know I guess there's only a limit but he said mm-hmm. I was bullied until one day I decided I didn't want to be and I fought back and then I wasn't bullied anymore and it's like yeah. that's definitely repression and you know I, he doesn't have to bear his soul for this little documentary um, but right. It, it was kind of like you can kind of tell an undertone of I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, well, and and I mean there is that, but I also do appreciate that you know six foot four, muscly, you know, scary Kane Hodder was able to say it like you know because the fact that he was dealing with suicidal ideation because of the bullying that he was like, you know, you when you go home you feel worthless because you feel like you're letting it happen, and. You know, Kane Hodder just looking straight at the camera and being like, you know, listen, unless you've been there and unless you've been through abuse, you don't understand. Like, you don't, you know, like, like the fact I, I appreciate that it wasn't him giving the bootstrap speech about like, well, if someone's giving you trouble at school, you just sock them one on the jaw and they'll leave you alone after that. Like it was, Kane, you know, big, you know, beefy Kane Hodder going, no, bullying is terrible and horrible and nobody should have to go through it. And if it's happening to you, it's not your fault. Like there's just something in you that, you know, you, that you haven't worked out yet and other people are taking advantage of it and that's wrong. Um... Man, I would die on a battlefield for Kane Hodder. Like, specifically, and here's why. Um, it's two things. Kane Hodder makes me think of Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, because Jake the Snake Roberts, like, he also had a really fucked up traumatic childhood because his father yeah. was a monster. And that documentary is amazing, too. Yeah. You oh, the Resurrection the Jake of Jake the Snake, the Snake documentary? Go see that. Yeah, the Resurrection of Jake the Snake is incredible. But, I mean, it, I, I, I link Kane Hodder to Jake the Snake because... Um, 
one, both of them, I just realized, uh, have personally met Alice Cooper in a snake-related context. That's exciting. Um, and then secondly, like, they both, I feel like they both understand what is scary because they themselves have been terrorized. Like, Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, he speaks softly and has the devil in his eyes when he cuts those promos and he ends with trust me because he knows how terrifying that is coming out of the mouth of a monster. Like, I feel like Kane Hodder is so effective at that physicality and at... And I'm probably navel-gazing too much about a fucking goofus in a hockey mask who's too dumb to know he's dead. But I feel like Kane Hodder, you know, like, everybody talking about him that, like, in, in these scenes and movies... You know, he works really snug while acting, and so, you know, he, he he's not going to hurt you during a death scene, but he's going to make it look good, and it's going to be kind of jarring, and then, you know, in the, docu- in the documentary, they're like, oh, man, like, at the time, I was like, whoa, you're going a little hard, and then they actually watch it back, and then everybody loves it, they're like, oh, fuck, I look so cool, um, and I feel like both he and Jake the Snake understand trauma in a way that makes them effective at scaring, and then, related point, this is the exact opposite of that, um, um, Wait, we need to come up with an, another name for the guy from uh, Haunters, the Art of the Scare, who runs the uh, uh, the stupid haunted house? Uh, McDonald's. Yeah, uh, M- McDonald's Arby's, who he... This is the exact opposite of that, because I feel like Kane Hodder has such an innate knowledge of good scary versus bad scary, because he loves, he loves scaring people who are actually down to be scared, because it's a fun experience and he loves scaring people. But he he almost breaks down crying in the documentary when he's talking about, like, when he was brought to this house after getting burned and there was, like, this three-year-old kid who was in the house who saw him and was terrified of him because of the burns. And you can just see genuine remorse and empathy on his face where he's like, that poor kid was fucking terrified of me. And I can't imagine how scary I must have looked to her. And, like, the fact that he understands what... It, the, we scare because we care, right? Like, it's the opposite of um, shmus mishmami. Yeah, you mean um, combination Taco Bell Pizza Hut? Yeah, combination Taco Bell Pizza Hut. Thank you. Because he'll also make you <laughs> shit for for years. I, he will. I mean, he's also on the lamb right now. I assume. I just assume that that oh. guy's at all times in a U-Haul. Well, I have wonderful news for you. Um, there's a new show on Netflix that we're gonna have to watch the entire season of in rank called Dark Tourist, where a oh, guy goes yeah. to dark tourist spots. And you better believe the se- the season finale. He goes to the new um, haunt. I saw the I saw the show title Dark Tourist and thought it looked hokey as shit, and then decided that hell yeah, I would like to watch something called Dark Tourist. Yeah, mostly it's, because it's yeah. It's, um, we got to talk about it on this show because, like Haunters, it leaves me with a lot of conflicted feelings. And turns out that mm-hmm. um. People running torture haunted houses are not the worst people in the um, tourism world, even. Really? I'm as shocked as you are, but this show, you know, they they really pounded the pavement till they found some ghouls. I thought White Castle. I thought White Castle Crystal was like the worst of the worst. I mean, he is the worst of the worst. But, like, there's an episode on Manson, and Mm -hmm. those guys are total... um, The Manson fans they talk to are definitely Nazis. Man, Like, don't really... Like, you know how in in Cockface Killer 3, there's definitely a Nazi flag, and they just taped a poster over it because they were shooting in a guy's house, and he's like, I ain't taking my flag down. 
Um, right. In this documentary, like, oh. they just say, nope, film it and or not. If you want my yeah. interview, it's got to be on the wall. So, oh. or like, you know, I'm going to wear this necklace with a swastika on it because that's me. <laughs> Listen, that's just me. I'm little, I'm, you know, I'm a little finger, gu- finger quotes rough around the edges. I might be a Nazi. <laughs> I might believe in eugenics. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I might have uh, thought Charles Manson was right, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a human being with man, feelings. I, I've been on true crime tours in LA, and I've gone to the Museum of Death, um, and I feel like that was going to the Museum of Death was a, was an important thing because it was like, listen, I don't want to go full ghoul. Like you're at the Museum of Death, and you're like, haha, nice, and you're looking at, like, a quilt made by the Manson family, and, like, crime scene photos from the Black Dahlia, and real paintings from uh, John Wayne Gacy, and you're, you make the rounds, and you look at all this shit, and then you get spat, you know, you get pooped back out into the gift shop at the end of it, like, thanks for coming, folks, and they've got, like, mugs with Richard Ramirez's face on them, and, like, Albert Fish t-shirts, and uh, you, you gotta pull back at some point, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Albert Fish t-shirts, I'm sorry, is a bridge too far. Actually, yeah, any yeah. serial killer shirt, and I would wear a Dahmer shirt. Right. Well, it's because you, if like my Macab- friend Dahmer, if I found especially the band Macabre, like I, I really want to get. They have, um, if I can find one in print, they have an Elizabeth Bathory shirt, and she's wearing a like Macabre T-shirt in it. Oh, and I hell really yeah. want that, but that's even like skirting the edge of taste. And at least with that, like, Elizabeth, like, Elizabeth Bathory is, where there's a level of remove there that, like, she's like Dracula, you know? Like, oh, she's like yeah. a mythical figure like, and instead of, like, you know, Albert Fish, who lived after sliced bread was invented, and this, he really did this. Yeah, like, Gilded Age true crime is the best true crime. Because oh, yeah. nobody was good after the Civil War. No one was good before the Civil War. I mean, that whole era in history is just humanity fucked up. (laughs) I would say, yeah, that was, that was our uh, Elvis in Vegas period as a, as a species. Um, it was, yeah, it was real bad. I mean, Um, the Dark Ages were pretty rough too. Oh, no, well, I don't know. Between, honestly, between the Dark Ages and anything, uh, yeah, I don't know. At least with the Dark Ages, you could die at like age 20. Although I guess you could still die at age 20 in pretty much any decade. Um, (laughs) If you try hard enough. So where do you want to put Tail on back on the list? (laughs) Um, Haunters is number 86. I don't think it surpasses Haunters because that dude is is so transfixing because he is an actual serial killer that they oh. have jinx like caught on camera but haven't figured out where the bodies are yet right 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 they haven't gotten clearance to go through his crawl space yet that guy has definitely killed people um i think haunters the art of the scare is better than um to uh, to helen back uh, at least because i feel like to helen back there were so many things i wanted to know that I feel like the documentary didn't totally go into. Yeah, yeah. Like, it it left you with a feeling of there's there's not more. And the thing well, I was excited about is Kane Hodder has an autobiography, but I'm not uh-huh. going to read it because I made a rule for myself to stop reading celebrity autobiographies. <laughs> uh, right. Because it turns out if you're famous for acting, 
very rarely are you also a good writer. Yeah, yeah. Or, well, ideally, you get a ghostwriter. I think that's the only reason uh, The Dirt by Motley Crue is readable. Yeah, yeah. Although I hate to give credit to Neil Strauss, but there it is. But uh, even Neil Strauss, then, a, like, a better just, writer than Tommy Lane. With my one, you know, wild and crazy life, that's not how I want to spend it. So I Absolutely. was jazzed that this is a, a movie version of that book that I don't have to read now, <laughs> but it still left right. some stuff unanswered. Well, and all right, so here's my question for you. Uh, after watching the Kane Hodder documentary, did you have any desire to watch a Friday the 13th film? Yeah, I want to watch part seven. Yeah. Because um, I want to see all of these little nuances that they've they've pointed out now. The man, teeth, it, the teeth, Ryan. That's, they, they show Jason's teeth. Um, it, this I will admit, this did make me want to watch the Hatchet movies. Yeah, he's um, he's really good in the Hatchet movies. Yeah, I mean the Hatchet movies are just fun. He's also oh, yeah. plays himself in Digging Through the Marrow by Adam Green. Oh um, yeah. And he plays a skeptical Kane Hodder when Adam Green is like, I found this hole in the earth with monsters in it. And Kane Hodder's like, that's fucking stupid. And then he's like out of the movie. He's the Marcel Marceau of that film where he's like, do you want to be in my silent movie? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, the Marcel Marceau who shows up and is the only one who speaks in the silent movie and says one word, male. Yeah. Um, But honestly, I feel like between Haunters and uh, uh, To Hell and Back... uh, I so I'm giving I think I'm giving the edge to Hunters, but it's close to that I think. Like I okay okay. See, I'm looking at the next documentary on the list is the Jeffrey Dahmer's Files at 143, which brings to light a lot of stuff that I wanted to know. Oh yeah. Oh, I think honestly the Dahmer Files has so far been like the gold standard of true crime documentaries on the podcast so far. So far, there's better ones out oh, there. Of course there we are. just haven't watched them for this show yet. Yes, exactly right. Actually, Tales uh, Tales of the Grim Sleeper, I would love to do at some point on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. And we need to do Cropsy. Oh, Cropsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, Cropsy is on Shudder, isn't it? Uh, it was. We got to check it out. Uh, we got to check so, it out. So, okay. Friday the 13th, 2009 is number 169. <laughs> is watching Kane Hodder better than a Friday the 13th without Kane Hodder. Ooh, I... Uh, remember that thing where I was saying that I would die in a battlefield for Kane Hodder? Yeah. That's a goddamn lie, because I'm putting the Friday the 13th reboot over this uh, heartfelt documentary about him. Um, okay, then it has to go immediately below that, because yeah. under that is Zygote and Stitches, and that ain't right. Oh, no. I think... Honestly, I think uh, To Hell and Back uh, is at least above Stitches. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's better than Zygote, because that's just a concept that needed to be fleshed out more. Zygote, I feel like uh, I wanted it to be something it also wanted to be, but couldn't make itself be. So it's like it's like half a Zygote. It's like a spermatozoon of a movie. So our new number 170 is To Hell and Back, The Kane Hodder Story. Go rent this. It is worth your time. Yeah, it's extremely good. And also, um, it's here. All right. I'm going to I'm going to throw it. I'm going to say a thing and see if that's true. And then um, I'll know if that's tr- uh, a true thing after saying it. Kane Hodder is the Mick Foley of horror. Yes, you are correct. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah because he's because he keeps taking a beating, but he's got so much heart. You're just like, wow, he's tough. Yeah, you can't he's, believe it. He's tough, and you can't believe it. And also, he's like 
the big scary you know guy that you show somebody from a specific milieu to non-fans of that milieu and go oh look at this sweetheart and then people go oh it's like it's like when you tell somebody about the time that Mick Foley met Tori Amos and described the experience as like uh, I was like a child in her arms she was an angel and I was a child like it's yeah and Kane Hodder like being a giant tender-hearted doofus who's married to a therapist and has two kids he's crazy about like yeah he's honestly if friday the 13th is a completely unworthy standard bearer for horror and mile marker for horror i i do feel really good about kane hodder being a diplomat for horror agreed yeah so yeah that's how i feel about that okay so let's dive into some listener requests yeah so our buddy sarah pile uh, requests uh, House of Usher by Roger Corman, the one uh, starring Vincent Price. Uh, have you seen it's this one? It's good, but it ain't Mask of the Red Death. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. I feel like uh, it's not a straight-ahead adaptation of all of the House of Usher, but it's also not its own thing so much. Uh, it feels like... Um, you know that sliver slice of pizza that's just sort of like jangling around the outside of the pizza, and it's like a hangnail on the body politic of the pizza? Yeah, <laughs> it. This is that on 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 Vincent Price's uh, filmography. So here's where your metaphor falls apart. That's my favorite piece of pizza. Ooh. Emily got a a pizza cut into squares the other night, mm-hmm. and we literally got a fingernail sized corner where the the guy cutting the pizza got real fast and loose and cut super wide middle squares. And then that edge was like, you know, um, half an inch. Right. And it was the best thing I have eaten <laughs> in quite a while. So you, you are you are all about that mutant sliver slice of pizza. The mouse piece, yes. Yes, yes, the mouse piece. Um, but, yeah, all right, so if we're going with that, I, okay, okay. I know what movie House of Usher is not better than, and it is Neon Maniacs. Yeah. It is You're not right as good now. as Neon Maniacs. Uh, I do think it is better than Murder Party, however. So I feel like, all right, all right. Uh, if I'm using uh, a bullshit dowsing rod to just start picking stuff, I also think it's better than Vampire in Brooklyn, and I don't think it's better than You're the Hunter from the Future. It's not better than Alien versus Ninja, but I'd say it's definitely better than Body Melt. Oh, it's definitely better than Body Melt, not least because it's fucking Vincent Price. Okay, so between Alien versus Ninja and Body Melt, and I'm sorry, Alien versus Ninja is an alien fucking sword fighting ninja. <laughs> so I know this movie has Vincent Price in it, but it doesn't have a gooey alien fighting a ninja. That yeah yeah so I purely for having a gooey drippy alien having a sword fight with a ninja we have to put that above it so uh, that's uh, what what number does that uh, put us at that makes it one eighty eight yeah now scroll up because Sarah also requested Final Destination oh yeah all right I uh, I love Final Destination so much is this the movie that really um, reinvigorated the emphasis on cool kills and teen horror movies i would say yes uh, all right so i would say yes because uh what was the last cool like cool kill sequence anybody cared about in horror um because I-, I feel like um scream did revitalize horror but it didn't do much for death scenes yeah the only notable death scene besides um the 
the Drew Barrymore in the first one. The doggy is, door? Yeah, the doggy door. Yep. The only one other than that is number two with the buck knife through the bathroom stall. Through the bathroom stall, yeah. Because I, I was just, that, like, scared me so bad, I turned the tape off at the sleepover, and, like, <laughs> we had to go do something else. <laughs> Although I do love that kill for being the most ridiculous fucking thing in the world, which was, um, you know, he's like, dude is in the bathroom stall, leaning his head against it because he hears what sounds like somebody fucking, and then Ghostface literally, A, is able to stab a a regular kitchen knife through a bathroom stall and correctly jab it through his head. Now, I don't want to be pedantic, Ryan, but it is a hunting knife. Oh, it is a... It, I beg your pardon. It is a hunting knife. That's true. So, oh, that changes so everything. It's still... <laughs> that's tactical. That's Ex- clearly... Exactly. No, they're, they're made for surgical uh, precision and tactical strikes th- conveyed through bathroom stalls. Um... Yeah, yeah, fucking... But, yeah, I would agree. Final Destination uh, revitalized cool death sequences. Also, what? Because Final Destination came out before Saw, if I recall correctly. It did. It came out in 2000. Um, And Saw is, like... Saw took the Final Destination franchise and ran with it. Well, and also Final Destination came out, I would say, during the sputtering death throes of the Scream uh, ripoff. Right, it's very... I still think i remember what you did last summer if it was the thing that we're both thinking of yeah 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 because i mean well obviously there have been uh you know honestly i feel like we haven't done enough scream clones on this podcast because it's a, a weird subgenre of horror that i'm really excited about um because they're terrible and kevin williamson is a monster for ruining movie dialogue uh but specifically final destination was in 2000 long after i mean like this was the point at which um the Hollywood scream machine had run out of actual jizz to throw out and just started throwing out other bodily fluids like ah, blood and lymph and spit. Like it was just, you know, Ruby, f- it, you know, you had fucking uh, Valentine and Cherry Falls and all of these really garbage movies. And so Final Destination, you're making s- Cherry Falls. Up. That's <laughs> not a movie title. Oh, not only is Cherry Falls a real movie, it features Brittany fucking Murphy and the plot of the movie, I, ha- I hate to admit that it's a clever title for this movie. The plot of Cherry Falls is that it reverses the, um, the plot of slasher movies that instead of if you fuck, you die, if you're a virgin, you get murdered. So everybody has to frantically lose their virginity or else they're going to get murdered. Get it? <laughs> cherry, cherry Falls? Ugh. <laughs> Cherry Falls. So anyway, so... How did that get released? How did that get past the MPAA and into mm, a, a wide theatrical release? That's a, that's a really great question. There's also some really fucking unfortunate transphobia with Jay Moore being the, the killer. Um, Man. Yeah. Transphobia ruins every casserole. Uh, but Final Destination, what? You've got hunky Devin Sawa um, being sleepless and hunky. You've got crazy death sequences you've got the guy that played stifler from american pie getting his head chopped off by a railroad um you've got the all right all right the best death in final destination and dare i say it like all of horror might be the teacher just getting rube like getting rube goldberg machine murdered in her house yeah i think what i like so much about final destination Uh is 
I'm ever since I saw uh, Casino Royale as a tiny child mm-hmm. on cable and saw that it ends with like nuclear apocalypse and everyone dies. Mm-hmm. Movies where everyone dies are my favorite. Oh hell yeah! Because nothing is sacred and no one is safe. <laughs> so a movie where literally they cannot forestall death, mm-hmm. like it's not gonna work, is great. But if you die, if you die in real life, you die in real life. Surprising. If you die in real life, you die in real life. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like the, honestly, the end bit with the sign swinging back and hitting them, like, whoa, no. It, yeah, it's so good. And also, um, I, I, also, I like how bullshit the contrivance of, like, the slippery goo is. Because, like, honestly, I, I vividly remember watching that scene as a kid of the dude dying in the bathtub because he gets, like, strangled by that thing and the bathtub is slippery and his legs are kicking and he can't get up out of the bathtub and he's just like and dies in the bathtub um this movie is so fucking fun and also because of this franchise i love that everybody i know while driving on the road if you're driving behind a truck full of rods you get the fuck out around from that car yeah rods logs Logs. um double wide trailers any truck you're just like nope can't do it anymore yeah any any two by fours in a pickup truck a horizontal, uh, impalable item that could fly off the truck and kill you? Not today, Satan. Um, you know, I thought my car, my driving anxiety came from getting in car accidents with my mom as a kid, mm-hmm. but apparently it was just Final Destination this whole time. <laughs> you know, I would... I Honestly, Final Destination is probably responsible for a lot more of my psyche than I am necessarily prepared to deal with. Um, is this the episode where we get the like webby award for like you know it was a goofy conceit of a podcast but then they start talking about their mental health and like have breakthroughs oh yeah yeah like oh man they really they they they, you know you started out talking about a devon sawa vehicle from 2000 and now you can now you're figuring out uh why you are the way you are just all of your deep-seated trauma and, and the way that you've responded to that. Um, so I would... Okay, all right. So uh, if we're looking at where we would put Final Destination on the list, I think... Is it better than Saw? Ooh, I think it is better than Saw, and also I think it is better than Children of the Corn. Oh, for sure. Um, I think I draw the line. I do not think it is better than Audition. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think Audition... Well, I mean, and in fairness... Audition is doing exactly what it means to do, and so is Final Destination for being a goofy popcorn horror movie where the killer is death itself. Um, but I feel like I don't know. I, I I'm giving the edge to Audition purely because that uh, if we're if we're talking about final shots in a movie, um, oh no, we're getting killed by a swinging neon sign is just as not on the level of the killer from Audition, like, saying the thing she said when she met him at the beginning of the thing after getting her neck broken, staring into space while she dies. Yeah. Um, so going with that, uh, I feel like I would put Final Destination above Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, I think it's it's really easy to say, like, one movie is more cohesive than two seasons of a TV show. Sure. Um, especially two seasons of a show that they thought they were going to have more than three seasons of. Uh-huh. And, and in fairness, a really fucking great show. Yeah. 
yeah, we need to do season three soon. Oh man, I would love to do season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Also, we have not. Honestly, we can probably just stick it with the others, but I want to double check. You first. realize we haven't done any Riverdale yet. Ah, uh, does Riverdale count? I think season two, several episodes definitely count as uh, horror, as well okay, as so, a lot of Pretty so... Little Liars. Can season one of Riverdale count, or is it just season two Ooh, I that think, counts as horror? I think it might just because be season, season two. Because season two is clearly all horror-based. Well, season two, it, a lot of it seems like a riff on Pretty Little Liars with, like, the caller who has unlimited access to a child and is terrifying them and, and isolating their, their support network and killing people. And don't and... forget, Black Hood is also an Archie comic book property, so they didn't just make that up. Oh my That's god. That's a guy oh my god. from the comics. Bla- Black Hood is in the comics? Black Hood has his own comic. That is... A, that's beautiful. B, I love that they found a way to use the groovy ghoulies by repurposing them as an evil gang called the ghoulies. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's extremely good. Who are a black metal gang? <laughs> yeah, you know, they just love driving around in hearses, but also dressing like extras from a Baz Luhrmann movie. It's a lot happening in Riverdale. Um, Can we go in? So let's go ahead and put Riverdale Season 2 on this ooh, list. Ooh, how much of Riverdale Season 2 have you seen? I've seen the whole season. Ah, see, I haven't finished it yet. Okay, so we'll put a pin in that. We're going to have to cover Riverdale Season 2. Uh, however, season 1 is just the the murder mystery plot. That doesn't count. But Season 2 definitely counts. See, I however, I will make a, cre- uh, a prediction on this podcast that I hope to have proven within the week. I think the Black Hood was not Mr. Svensson, the bouncer slash janitor. I am 99% sure it's Betty's father, played by Lachlan Monroe, who was the cop from Freddy vs. Jason. Um, Ryan, I have terrible news for you. Uh Uh-huh. We're all the Black Hood. (laughs) Oh, shit. The Black Hood is everyone's indifference to the (laughs) ills of the world. We all have sins. The the real Black Hood was the friends we made along the way in Riverdale. (laughs) Um, it's, yeah, I, oh, oh, God, this fucking season, it is, you are not fucking around. It is buckwild. So, yeah, so coming in at our new, sorry, what number is that for Final Destination? Number 60. Number 60. I feel really good about that. Um, holy shit. So, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Well, our listeners can find us on Twitter, at Rankin Valcast, where we are relentlessly shitposting, on Instagram, at Rankin Vile, on Tumblr, uh, at rankinvile.tumblr.com. Uh, we have an ask box on Tumblr, so if you want to request a movie that's the best way to do that if you want to reach out to us for advertising or um just to say hi or Mm -hmm. to you know get us to review your movie or your book or whatever uh shoot us an email rankinvilecast at gmail.com we're also on letterboxd this week we're also brought to you by scary basement media Ryan, how do you feel about Bloodsport? Uh, I would describe uh, my feelings about Bloodsport uh, as uh, fuck yeah, comma, nice, comma, kumite over and over again while I punch the air screaming. Um, How do you feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando? Um, I would describe my feelings about Commando as, yeah, it's pretty good. And how would you describe your feelings about Sylvester Stallone's Cobra? It is the best movie of the 1980s. 
Uh, it is a masterpiece. I have had the Cobra soundtrack in my car for the last three years. Somebody mailed it to me, and I don't know who it was, but I will never not have the Cobra soundtrack in my car. It's a perfect movie. What? I have wonderful news for you. Scary Basement Media is doing a pre-order right now of enamel pins of all three of those movies. Yes! Oh my god. Do they have one of just, like, uh, uh, Officer Marion Cobretti, which is definitely a name anyone has ever had, as an enamel pin? Yeah, with that machine gun from the cover of the, <laughs> from the tape. <laughs> with, the, with the matchstick in his mouth. Yeah, you know it. Oh, Oh, outstanding. So, yeah, wait, so wait, so where is this again that you can get these amazing uh, Okay, amazing so listen carefully because we have a unique URL because it really helps the show out. So if you are driving, um, pause the podcast and just play this when you get to where you're going. This is the end of the show anyway. Right. Um, if you are on the subway, just open your browser. bit.ly slash 2mx capital L lowercase j capital g2 if you get a website that is trying to sell you real estate you have <laughs> not put the capital letters in but if you get that you should be able to get to scary basement media <coughs> quincy have you run into a real real estate website trying to sell you things yes i have beautiful by testing this url this is the plot of a horror movie in itself um, but yeah, uh, barring that, I think that's all I got for this week. You got anything else? So get so so get one of those pins. It, it's going to really help the show out. Um, we get a, a, a commission on that, and it helps us pay hosting costs. Yep, get the lights on. Um, um, be kind, you all. Yes, yeah. rough out there. Yeah, it's 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 real rough out there. Take it easy, folks.